Now, here's what's going to happen today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of just teach you something for just a moment, and then we're going to get into a, a, a uh, story. And I, I hate using the word story because it sounds as if it's fiction or something that didn't happen, but, but it really is. It's, it's a story. It, 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 it's the historical recording of what happened, but the Bible does a good job telling us a lot about it, so it's not just a boring uh, journal, if you will, but it comes alive. And we're going to take one story. And we're going to break it down uh, for the application today. But first, I need to start right here. And Luke chapter 4 and verse 33, and it says this. In the synagogue there was a man which had the spirit of an unclean devil, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we have to do? What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him and saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves saying, what word is this? For with what authority and what power he commandeth the unclean spirits and they come out and fame of him went out unto every place in the country round about. Now, I understand, and I, I, I realize this, I realize the Bible was not written in English, and what we read is simply a translation uh, of what was written and passed down, and so uh, it is put more into English understandings, and I understand that. But I like the way the English works, because there are some things in that that you can begin to grab hold on, and I want you to pay close attention to verse 34, saying, let us alone, let us alone. Father, we thank you today. Lord, I'm thankful for just the peace and the presence and the power of God that is gathered. And I ask that you would touch and that you would uh, minister to those that are here. I pray that you would guide and strengthen us. And Lord, as your word and as your verse comes alive, would you speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Um, God has never needed anybody's help. I had an interesting conversation with Zane and a friend of Zane's Friday. I picked up one of his friends and we, we were taking him to the, the youth bonfire. And, and uh, when, when you get Zane and his friends together, you never know what conversation and where it's going. And sometimes it's deep and sometimes it's just insane. And anyway, his friend got to talking. And, and as kind of typical humanistic ways sort of was, was, was indicating that we, in our praise, God, you know, needs that. And if we disappeared and if we wouldn't, uh, you know, spread the gospel, Christianity would kind of be destroyed and go away. And I said, oh, no, no, no. The Bible says that if we stop praising him, the rocks will cry out. God don't need you. There's nothing that you have that you can give God that he doesn't already have or possess. But I'm glad that he wants us, so I'm okay with that. That's for another sermon. I'm glad that he allows us a, a way to come and, and be used of him. But if you really want to get to where the rubber meets the road, God doesn't need you. God has all power. God has all authority. God is the beginning. God is the creator. And the creation never usurps the creator. And... Uh, but again, I am thankful that he answers our prayers. I am thankful. And, and I, I, I neglected to do this, and we do need to, to do this, but uh, uh, I, I had it written down and, and just kind of got lost in the worship and forgot. But Sister uh, Laura Ojo had called me, or, or rather texted me this morning, and, and her 
her, her grandmother is, had to be taken to the, the, the hospital and is having some difficulties breathing, has some great heart trouble, and so she's in the ICU right now. And Sister Laura asked if we could uh, pray for her grandmother, and I told Sister Laura that we would. And, and, but, but before we do that, let me just kind of segue in this. God doesn't need help to meet these needs. When you look at all of the things that, that, that mankind and science has been able to do, we need a lot of help. We still haven't scratched the surface of what it all is, but a simple prayer taps into the creative and redemptive power of God, and that's all you need. Uh, I, I prayed a, a specific prayer, and, and, and it, 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 I don't know that it was very spiritual, but it was kind of important to me. You can ask me later after church. I'll tell you what it was, but I prayed a very specific prayer. Brother Miller, I prayed a prayer uh, uh, Friday night that was so specific it had three points. And, and at 6.45 uh, Saturday morning, and you can kind of guess maybe where I'm going, but at 6.45 Saturday morning, God answered those prayers exactly as that was. I can tell you the story later. He answered it for Zane. But, but it's amazing how you can just simply say a prayer and God hears it. God hears it. Um, I'm thankful to see Brother Brian here. Being able to recuperate. We're still praying for a complete recovery. I know there's still some moments of pain and, and, and recovery there, but I'm glad you're able to be here. Many of you, especially those of you that are on Facebook, uh, Friday, uh, Friday during the day, they had a C-section for Sister Alicia, Alicia Stortz, and uh, they were needing to take the baby, and, and you know, it was going to be a few weeks early, and, and so we prayed and we said, Lord, we need your hand to be, be on, on this little baby, and... Uh, Sure enough, you know, they, they took the baby, and the baby had a little bit of breathing difficulties. They had to take it to the NICU, and, and I know there was a lot of fear, and so we prayed again, Lord, you're able to touch. And I said, you know what, I believe that before this night is over, God will allow that baby to get out of that NICU, maybe through the transition phase, whatever it is. I don't know. I mean, I know what the doctor said probably was going on, but this is what I know. There were some people in that in that uh, hospital room, some people around that began to pray. And before that night was over, that little baby was able to get out, or at least in the next morning, that baby was able to get out and is doing good. And uh, it is uh, baby Annabelle is her name, Annabelle Lee. And so we're thankful for that. God answers prayers. And so I think it'd be good. Man, and I know there's prayers here. Anybody have a need that you need God to touch just by the uplifting of a hand? God doesn't need any help to meet that need. But it's all right to bring our needs to him. The Bible says, cast your cares on him, for he careth for you. We can bring those needs. And I wonder if we could just, right where you are, you can stay seated even, but I wonder if you could just lift a hand or lift a voice and pray for those needs that you saw hands lifted. Pray for Sister Laura Ojo's grandmother in the ICU. That's where they are this morning. Father, we know you don't need any help. We know that all power in heaven and earth has been given unto you, and it's not even been given. It's yours. It's yours alone, the creator of the universe. But, God, we ask right now that for the continuing of recovery and all of those that are, that are here, I pray that you would touch and minister. We pray for Laura's grandmother. I ask in your name that you could reach down and perform a miraculous work, Lord. We pray for those whose hands were lifted, those who indicate I have a need, but, God, you are able and we give you praise in Jesus name amen and amen hallelujah you know Deuteronomy 6 4 said it pretty easily and pretty good hero Israel the Lord our God is hero Israel the Lord our God is 
one Lord. He doesn't need anybody else. He doesn't need a committee. He doesn't need other people in heaven that he has to consult and get with. It is him. The Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then if you skip down 13 verses to verse 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. John chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Because Jesus wanted to make it very clear, he didn't come to help God. I just throw that out? Jesus didn't come to help God because he is God. I remember, and I've said it a couple times, I remember my wife, uh, she was going through a religion class in college there at Lindenwood and, and they were in the book of John and, and, and other places and, and they, the, the professor got up and he said uh, that, that God didn't want to get his hands dirty with humanity so he sent his son to do his dirty work. My wife just kind of began to quote John chapter 1. And John chapter 3 and verse 16. And it, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of bad when you got to tell a doctor of religion that has a doctorate when you have to read verses that he didn't even really know was in the Bible. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't need any help. James chapter 2 and verse 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, you do well. Now, I'm taking this verse out of context because it's, it's not necessarily just talking about the oneness of God. It says the devils also believe and tremble. That's because the devil is the same. It's the creation of God. The devil's a fallen angel. God had created angels and Lucifer decided he would rebel against God. And so because of that sin and, and that rebellion cast him down. And it's now, we, we call him Satan, the devil, whatever you want to uh, uh, use. But he knows good and well. There's only one throne in heaven. I kind of find it interesting that, uh, well, well, let me tell you a story. I, I was, I'm a little bigger now. I'm not real tall, but I'm bigger. I filled out. But Growing up, I wasn't real big. Growing up, I fit in a locker pretty easily with a couple more that my people my size could be tossed in. And, and uh, I, was a, I, I was, you know, I didn't grow up in a fighting household. My dad never had to ar argue or raise his voice or fight. He just had that calm authority. So I never, I never scrapped a whole lot. I'd like to wrestle, but personally, I like my face a lot, and I never wanted to get punched. So if you're going to do a fist fight, I'm running the other way. I'll wrestle you all day long, but please don't hit me. And... Uh, I remember one time we were out on the, I was a, in high school, I was a freshman, I weighed about 85 pounds and I was like 4 foot 8 or something like that it seemed and uh, I was out on the tennis courts and we were playing tennis in gym and, and the problem with me was this, I wasn't real strong and I didn't like to fight but I had a mouth and if you made me mad I just ran my mouth more and if you really made me mad, some of you are kind of like this, if you really made me mad I laughed at you, that was kind of my pressure valve. And this bully was over there, and, and I mean, he was just going at it, and he was making fun, and, and, and he was smacking me with the racket and all of that, and, and he kept saying, say something smart, say something smart. So I did. E equals MC squared is a formula for energy. <laughs> I was, it was, it's not the right thing to say. What's up? What's up? The sky. And he hauled off and walloped me, and I'm looking up at the sky on my back. And I didn't know what to do at that moment, Brother Steve. I didn't know how I was going to react. And that guy's face turned white. And for a nanosecond, I said, uh-huh, you're scared of me, right? And then I realized, no, it ain't me. Because I happened to be pretty smart in my life. I had made friends with the football team. And they were behind me. 
And they, for some strange, maybe it's because I was a squirt and they kind of felt sorry for me. But they stepped behind me and they pointed their finger in that dude's chest and they said, if you hit him again, we're going to lay you out. At that moment, I needed help. You ever played with your dad or, or, or older people and you're playing football? We played football, Brother Andy, one time. I remember it's been, it's been I, I can't remember the part, played football, Brother Andy, you know, and, and Andy can just march down the field with like five people laying on all four legs and he never stops. We need help when it comes to that. It's interesting enough that in the Bible, many of the times that the devil initiated an attack or a, a, a fight against God, he always brought Help. Bible in that in that synagogue, the devil said, Let us alone, indicating there was more than one. And the demonic of Gadara that we're going to get into, we, we we understand the Bible says there was a legion of devils. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 41, it says, and the devils came out of many devils, plural. It's just the fact that the devil needs help, God doesn't. And sometimes it would do us well to remember that when it came to the sickness, uh, that there's that woman that touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible is very clear to tell you that she had sought many, many physicians over many, many years and none of them could find the answer. And just a simple brush of her fingertips against the dirt-stained hem of the Savior's garment was all she needed because God doesn't need any help. Mm, that's amazing. Did you hear that? I'm going to say that and music starts playing. <laughs> I have my own soundtrack that follows me everywhere I go. Y'all know y'all can't do that to me. It'll get me off, off uh, target and I won't know what to do with myself. <laughs> we'll get back there in a moment. Just give me a second. God doesn't need any help. Perhaps today you're in the midst of a battle. Perhaps today you're in the midst of a struggle. And it seems like you don't have an answer. But I like to tell you that the God that doesn't need any help is the God that really wants to help you. And I was, this is where I want to, I just kind of wanted to start there. But I want you to turn with me. We're not going to read it verbatim, but I want you to turn it so you can see that. I want you to turn to the book of Mark chapter 5. And I want to, I want to take some time. To, to look through this, this story. And I believe that before we get done in just a few moments, that God is going to speak to your heart. And I believe that God wants to show you that he's still in control no matter what seems to be happening in your life. The, 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 this comes after uh, a, a time where, where the disciples had gotten on the boat and they were transitioning across the sea. The waves and the wind began to come up. Jesus shows up and 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 Jesus, uh, well, he, you know, he's kind of sleeping there, and 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 they 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 start getting all freaked out because they're going to sink, and Jesus is sleeping, and they said, "Wake up, Jesus!" So Jesus wakes up and he goes, "Why are you scared? Do you really think this boat's going to sink with God on it?" I could use that terminology. And he just says, peace be still. And the waves, they, they, they calm down. And when they put that boat on the other shore, there in the country of, of the Gadarenes and, and, and that, Jesus stepped out of the boat and immediately there met him one out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He was a man tormented 
a man possessed, a man that had, had, had been cast out of society because of his actions and because of how he felt. He was a man with no future, a man with no family, a man with nothing. He lived among the tombs. He lived among the dead. That was his home. That, was, that, that horrible, dreary place was where he existed. The Bible goes on to say not one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. They didn't understand everything and they would try to control him and they would put ropes on him and he could bust him. They would put chains on him. And the Bible says that he could wrench the chains apart and break the shackles. There was some superhuman strength there. No one could do it. Night and day among the tombs, night and day on the mountains, he cried and he cut himself with stones. I'll tell you right now that this... uh, uh, cutting of oneself it's been around much longer than just the last couple of years this this depressive and 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 self mutilation it started a long time ago before sociologists and psychologists knew what it was and i will tell you today that the cutting of oneself has always been a sign of demonic oppression and demonic possession. It's always something, it's not a sickness. There is a spiritual thing that goes on. But listen to me, somebody. I have found that at the midst of that man's greatest torment, At the moment where all he could do was hurt himself and others and scream and holler night and day with not one hope, with not one care. He didn't have anything. He sees Jesus from afar and he falls and worships him. Can I tell you that that story alone tells me there is not a circumstance in your life that can keep you from worshiping God. If a man with 1,400 devils can find the feet of Jesus and worship him, there is nothing in your life that can keep you from the presence of God. That man found him. Now watch this. I don't know that that man believed in him so much. I don't know that that man thought that Jesus could heal him. I don't see any of that for a moment. This is what I see. In the midst of his struggle, his only thought was, I'll worship him. Perhaps this is the reason so many of us never get a relief. It's because all we want to do when we get in God's presence is give me, give me, give me. I need this. I need that. Here's my Christmas list. I need this. What would happen if in the midst of your darkest moment you wouldn't ask him for anything but you would find yourself at his feet and you would say you are God. Now for a moment that worship went and you can look, the story occurs in, in multiple places in the Gospels. There, you know, Each Gospel has a, a different take on that story. And so I, I can pull from other ones. But, but here in Mark, something else occurs. That demonic presence cries out. What you going to do with me, Jesus? What are you going to do with me, Son of the Most High God? And then Mark, at least here in the English Standard Version, it records an interesting dialogue. That, that demonic presence says, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me at all. 
this demon tries to use God to look at Jesus and say, don't mess with me. I adjure you by God. I command you by God. Don't mess with me. And here's this caveat. For Jesus was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. You unclean spirit. It's very interesting. And, and as I begin to read my Bible, I just kind of, it's the way my brain works and the way God touches it. just sort of opened it up. And there's a lot of times when there's pushback, when God begins to move in your life and there's pushback that doesn't want to happen, doesn't want to move, doesn't want to change. And Jesus said, what's your name? And all of a sudden, he changes. It's no longer I. It's no longer me. It's no longer one demon being the spokesman. Now he realizes I'm up against somebody bigger than me. Well, we got, we're, we're legion. We got about 1,400 demons in us. All of a sudden, he needed a little bit of help, so he got some of his cronies. He said, help us out now. You know, it's, it's interesting when you're reading the Bible. And again, I, I'm, I, sometimes I'll, I'll take these verses a bit out of context, but you, you have that verse in the Bible that says, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? When Jesus began to speak, those old demons. See, the Bible tells us that, that Satan fell with a third of the angels. So, so, so it, it indicates to me that, that the demonic presence that can run around somewhere is simply angels that used to be in heaven, which means they're used to his voice. The Bible says my sheep hear my voice and know it, but I'll tell you the angels know his voice too because they've heard it for eons long. And when Jesus began to speak, it, it resonated in that, that, that ear. And, and he goes, I've heard this voice before. I understand. This is, this is no longer uh, just a man that's walking here. This is no longer just somebody that's come. This isn't just a disciple. This isn't just a, a, a prophet. This is God. And at that moment when the light bulb goes off, he changes everything he says. First off, he says, I adjure you by God. Don't mess with me. And then all of a sudden when he recognizes, he says, hey, I got a better idea. I know I'm fixing to leave because there ain't a chance that I can stay when God speaks. So you see these pigs over here? Would you be so kind as to let us go there so we at least have a home somewhere? <laughs> and I love, I love the way the Bible reads. So God gave him permission he said absolutely just go right there those demons ran out those unclean spirits came out they entered the pigs and the herd the, 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 the herd numbered over about 2,000 and they rushed down the steep bank and they fled into the sea those herdsmen saw it that was their livelihood this was what they were making their money off of and they just saw all of their money go right down the drain literally and they get mad, they go into the city and they tell everybody what's happening and the people come out and I'm sure it was a mob ready to beat the guy that just took their 401k savings and throw them in the sea. But when they get there, it's not so much the floating pig carcasses in the sea that they're amazed by. What they're amazed by is they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. There's a lot of truths right there. 
Sin always leaves you naked. Sin always leaves you shameful. Sin always leaves you uncovered. Sin always leaves you in the, not the right state of mind. But 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, But God has come to bring us peace, love, joy, and a sound mind. See, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of things. I don't know that everybody's demon-possessed the way that we think a demon-possessed. Hollywood has messed that up. Hollywood gives you movies like The Exorcist and all those other awful things. And so that's what we always think about when someone's demon-possessed. They're going to spit green vial everywhere and you're going to have to get you some sort of exorcism. But I'd like to tell you that just about every sin on the face of this earth has a demon possession or demon oppression behind it because it's exactly what it is. So God enters into a place, a man who's tormented, a man who doesn't know what to do, a man who can't figure it all out. But when that man found Jesus and he didn't know how to pray right, he didn't probably know his Bible good enough, he maybe had never gone to church because they wouldn't let him in there. But Jesus said, if I can just get into his presence, I at least know there's a peace with him that I haven't had for a long time. And today, that that, that unrest and that, un, that, 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 that unpeacefulness, if you will, that unsound mind and that, that, that shameful circumstance happens today. But as I was reading and, and, and looking at all of that, the Bible says that Jesus, that they, they, they didn't understand it. They begged Jesus to leave and depart from the region. I don't really quite get that. But as Jesus was getting in the boat, the man that was possessed with the demons came to him and said, Jesus, can I please go with you? Jesus says, no, I need you to stay here. But go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. You'll have to ask Brother Farino later because I've really racked my brain on this and I can't find a good answer I'll give you my assumption you can ask Brother Farino he can you know, get me all straightened out but Brother Perryman when I read my Bible even in the same gospel there's a lot of places where God did Jesus did something and he said don't tell anybody what's happened now they didn't listen to him and I've preached and I've said to you that's the one commandment you can break is you can testify but there's something about this man that there was not that, that restriction. The Bible says that man left there and he went through all the apocalypse. Or not apocalypse, however you pronounce that. Decapolis, there it is, Decapolis. I had to, had to see it again. Went through all of Decapolis and he proclaimed what Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? Well, first off, I just want to tell you. Jesus doesn't need any help. I want you to stand with me. I want you, I want you to understand this. I want you to grab hold of it. There is not one person here with one need, with one circumstance, with one problem, with one sinful desire or nature. There's not anybody here that God can't fix right now at this moment. 
Oh, it will raise its head. It will give you every excuse. It'll tell you why it can't. It will bring every person and every, or not person, but it'll bring every, you know, legion, if you will, with it to back it up to say we're too strong for you, Jesus. But at the end of it, it's going to be begging Jesus, go put me over there. Don't leave me homeless. Because Jesus doesn't need any help. But I'm stuck. I can't escape it. If you could see my Bible, you'd see it underlined. You'd see it, words written all around it. That when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately, the Bible says, that man was running to the seashore to kneel at his feet. I'd like to think that up there in those tombs, that man saw that boat coming. While he may not have understood everything, he may not have realized everything, I'd like to think that something grabbed hold of him and said, today's a little different. As we sang, right now is the moment. Today is the day you can be changed. That he comes and Jesus steps onto the seashore of your life with all of the problems and all of the circumstances. But I wonder for just a little bit, I don't care if you got to bring them. I don't care if you leave them behind, whatever it takes. But I think you need to find the feet of Jesus and begin to worship him because he's God. And when you do that, watch him take authority over the things of your life that you can't control. Because he's not going to take authority over your life if you won't acknowledge him as the authority of your life. He's not going to step in and start making things and cleaning house and doing all of that unless first you say, you are God. There is none like you. There is no one beside you. You are the creator. You are the redeemer. You are the savior. You are the son of God. And if you'll begin to do that, that story that took place some 2,000 years ago can happen afresh right now. That there are those who are in torment. There are those in which the chains of addictions and the bonds of, of things have been wrapped around you. Those that can find no peace. Those that have lost things. Those that are separated and abused. Those that are, that are, that are uh, 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 disheartened. You can come into His presence. It's not going to be no big thing. There's no lightning flashes. It's not going to be any crazy uh, uh, exhibits. It's just going to simply be the creator saying, I got this. And when it gets done, you'll find peace, love, joy, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. I want you just to begin to come from front to back because, again, I'm trying to be very careful. We, we, we have a, a bad view of, uh, of what demon possession is, and I'm not trying to say that people are demon-possessed. That's, that's not where this is going. I'm trying to show you the power that God has over every situation. God wants to touch your life. And if you're here today, I want you to take a note from that young man, and I want you to come into his presence, and I want you to begin to worship him in spirit and in truth and watch what he does when you simply acknowledge his authority. Would you come in the mighty name of Jesus as they begin to play and they begin Power to sing. in the name of Jesus.
there is power.